I think the goal for the new Miami Hurricanes offensive coordinator will be to modernize the Canes passing game and to get a lot of receivers open in space. But if anyone out there thinks Shannon Dawson air raid is going to come in and abandon the running game, you just don't know a whole lot about Mario Cristobal. You are locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Sunday. I'm Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So this question has been asked to me by so many people. I can't shout out just one or even just 10 of you. Will Miami's emphasis on the running game take a step back or a back seat now with air raid guy Shannon Dawson being hired as the offensive coordinator the answer to that question is a big fat no (laughs) no chance in hell uh now obviously to really help um revolutionize your passing game because you know people who are really astute with that air raid having learned under someone like Hal Mummy and having worked with Dana Holgerson the mission with the air raid is to always Uh, get receivers open in space, create a lot of yards after catch. That's something Miami's going to be looking to do. And listen, Tyler Van Dyke was very cool in an up-tempo spread with some similar passing principles a couple of years ago, coaching up Tyler Van Dyke, getting him him more timing. I think it's going to be very important. I love the fact that Shannon Dawson is also your quarterback's coach. But believe me, there is going to be an emphasis on the running game. Miami didn't just go out there and recruit and land multiple five-star offensive linemen, and you didn't go out there and recruit uh, a well-rounded power back like Mark Fletcher and a playmaker like Chris Johnson, who you could line up a lot in the slot. You could move Johnson all around the field so he can contribute in the passing game big time as well. But you haven't gone out and recruited personnel like this, and you also have Trevante Citizen still in the garage waiting to get out after missing last year with injury. Uh, Mario Cristobal will never he would die before he would abandon the running game so when some people think about air raid you think oh that's like what is that like an 80 percent to 20 percent passing to running split 90 10 even the air raid itself has evolved since the late 90s right Uh, you know it's a, a lot of the way coaches do this is more of like a 60 40 you know data Holgerson who uh, you know has been kind of the mentor and has worked with Shannon Dawson at multiple different stops. West Virginia, they work together. Houston, they just work together. Dana Holgerson runs the football a lot more than like the Mike Leeches and some of the past air raid people have. So I don't think the emphasis is going to go away from the running game at all. I think this is more about toning and perfecting your passing game. And then, yeah, Mario Cristobal and, of course, Alex Mirabal are going to have a big influence on the way this running game goes down. And we talked about this when we first found out a couple weeks ago that Shannon Dawson was even a candidate to become Miami's next offensive coordinator, something that Mario Cristobal appreciates Dawson, despite his air raid background, is Dawson has a strong appreciation for the line of scrimmage, and he has a strong appreciation for running the football. So last year at Houston, uh, Clayton Toon, their quarterback, extremely successful the last two years, especially last year, threw for over 4,000 yards, 
40 touchdown passes, which was an AAC conference record he set last year. So the passing game was absolutely lit in Houston last year. But they also rushed for about 2,000 team yards. So it's not like the running game wasn't emphasized. Now, a quarter of those yards did come from your quarterback, who was their leading rusher as well. That's probably not going to be the case for Tyler Van Dyke this year. But believe me, folks, the emphasis on the running game will be there. And that's something that I'm sure Shannon Dawson has been tasked with when he was interviewing for this job. Cristobal made it very clear to him, we need to find a way to maximize and incorporate our big guys up front at the line of scrimmage because Miami's got some good ones this year, and then in the next two, three years, they're going to be great once people like Okun Lola and Maui Goa and Tommy Kinsler and Antonio Tripp, once these guys get a little bit older, more mature, and more acclimated to the college game, Miami's going to be mauling people up front for the next three, four seasons, hopefully the next 10, 15 seasons. Miami's going to be mauling people up front in the future, so you need to develop, design, and evolve an offense that is not only going to maximize and modernize your passing game to get Tyler Van Dyke comfortable again the way that he was two years ago, get your wide receivers involved, get a guy like Xavier Restrepo open with acres of space to get yards after catch, Brashard Smith, hopefully throw some contested balls to Colby Young. He can dominate the way he did for a couple of games last year. So modernize, maximize that passing game, but believe me, Mario Cristobal would not have hired an offensive coordinator, any offensive coordinator, if he didn't think he could also incorporate a running game and a power running game. So the key word here is balance, right? And I think when Mario Cristobal hired Shannon Dawson, it definitely opened my eyes to the idea that, hey, maybe Cristobal is not like as stubborn as people think he is. Like he's only going to bring in a guy with a Josh Gaddis type of background. It's power spread or bust. I think the fact that he's even willing to work with someone who comes from an air raid background tells you he's a little bit more open-minded when it comes to the passing game, but there's no way he's going to abandon the run. So yeah, hopefully next year, you know, Henry Parrish, uh, Travante Citizen, hopefully he's, you know, healthy enough to play the start of the season. I hope that's the case. Uh, Don Chaney. And by the way, I don't think I've I've had a show since uh, since reports of that accident came out. Um, thank thank God that uh, it, from everything I heard about that car accident that Don Cheney was involved in, that he's all right and that no one was seriously injured in that crash. Because if you saw the photos of his car that was wrecked on Santa Maro Drive, just on the south end of campus, it was it was frightening, man. It was frightening. I was so worried. I was so scared for him. I was so scared for everyone involved. You know, he was involved in a crash and then a couple of uh, pedestrians were were hit like as a result of the two car crash. Um, the, the pedestrians were taken to the hospital, but I understand they were OK and that the drivers of the cars, including Don Chaney, were OK. Uh, thank God. You know, I don't know if he picked up any bumps and bruises or whatever the case may be, but uh, I'm so happy that everyone was OK. And I'm so relieved because uh, Chaney's car was absolutely wrecked. So. You know, ho hopefully, you know, I obviously life and, and health are the most important things. You know, I, I don't have any reason to believe that that's going to affect like his spring football season either. So uh, prayers were answered that night that everyone was OK coming out of that crash. But this goes to say that Miami's got a lot of talent in the running back room and a lot of talent in the offensive line. You cannot go away from that. OK. And, you know, speaking of offense, this is a pretty interesting hire. You know, I know that we don't always go crazy over like off field analysts getting hired, but Miami has added an offensive analyst 
with a very interesting background, Max Drisco. He's got a history of play calling. Uh, he comes from Catholic University. He was their offensive coordinator and assistant head coach, was the play caller at Catholic University. Uh, he knows Shannon Dawson. They came up at Southern Miss. Uh, he came up at Southern Miss as a graduate assistant working under Dawson. This is per uh, Gabby Arudia, I believe, of InsideTheU.com. This is from the Miami 24-7 uh, page. And he's also uh, coordinated the recruiting efforts in the Southern Louisiana area. So it seems like Miami wants to recruit the heck out of Louisiana now. Shannon Dawson from Louisiana, Lance Guidry from Louisiana, now Max Drisco, an analyst. He's from Louisiana. Miami's going to start getting all the Louisiana kids, like uh, you know Travante Citizen from that area. So I think it's interesting now. You know, you're adding an offensive analyst who apparently is going to assist. Um, he's going to assist Coach Dawson, I'm sure, with play calling, play calling strategies, play design, because they've worked together before and he comes from that background. Um, this is a, I think, a necessary and very strategic hire by Mario Cristobal because play calling last year was a huge problem, right? Under Josh Gaddis, play calling was a huge problem last year. So not only, you know, do you have someone, you know, a new play caller who comes from a different style from the previous play caller, but you're also adding analysts with play calling experience to assist in that process. So uh, I love, I love the fact that, you know, Cristobal saw something that clearly didn't work last year. And now we're really trying to address it and beef it up this year. Uh, so at Catholic University last year, Drisco's offense averaged 24.7 points per game. Uh, but in conference play, because I think they played some tougher out-of-conference teams, in conference play, they averaged 30.7 points per game, and they went 5-1 and one in conference play. So I will take 30.7 or even 24.7 over the 19.4 uh, points per game that, uh, that Josh Gaddis averaged against Power 5 competition last year. So that is an interesting analyst hire. And listen, I, I again, so Miami's had some exciting off-field analysts. I mean, Jason Taylor is an analyst on the staff, a Pro Football Hall of Famer. You know, Demarcus Van Dyke, we all want DVD to be on the field, but he's an analyst that everyone loves. And so, you know, we've got a new analyst that we're going to be keeping tabs on, and that is Max Drisco, someone with play-calling experience. We are going to answer you guys' questions when we come back, Miami has offered a South Florida quarterback, a South Florida-based quarterback for the class of 2024. I am shocked that Miami is his first division offer. I think this guy is way too good to only have one division one offer, and I'm glad the first one came from Miami. So you can tweet us. Make sure you tweet the show at Locked On Canes. And if you follow us at Locked On Canes, we will follow you back. Keep it locked right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Guys, if you're a hiring manager or a small business owner, you should know what's up by now. You know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching, by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs. With targeting tools, they go they go beyond the resume data by using insight from your job post, your company, and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates in the world. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on 
your job qualifications all in one platform. Guys, I have gotten jobs as an employee through LinkedIn jobs before, so I know that this can work for employers. You need to check this out, and most importantly, it's free. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply thank you so much for making locked on canes on this sunday your first listen today we're free on youtube and free wherever you get your podcasts i'm actually about to uh, i'm going to take my son he's going to be five years old uh, in like a week i'm going to take him to his first miami baseball game i'm going to take him out to the light i'm going to blow his freaking mind when i get him a mark light shake i mean he's he's going to want to go every home game after he tries that first shake so maybe drop me uh recommendations below He's a picky eater, you know, going to be five years old. What, uh, Which Mark Light shake do you think my son is going to like the best? Let me know in the comments, and I will uh, I will read him all of the options once we get out to Mark Light later today and see which one he wants. All right, so let's get to you guys' questions. You can tweet us at Locked on Canes. Uh, let's see. We get a question from James in the Pines who says, uh, asking me, who would your pick be for running backs coach and wide receivers coach? Yes. We do have uh, two important jobs still open on the Miami offensive coaching staff. So uh, first of all, um, if you thought it was hard predicting who the coordinators were going to be, right? Because nobody saw Lance Gidry coming on defense. We did, you know, we did know that Shannon Dawson was in the mix, but still, you know, a lot of people guessed which coordinator was coming and, you know, people were saying, oh, it's going to be Scott Frost and whoever else. And none of that stuff materialized. Uh, it's going to be even harder predicting position coaches. Like, did anyone see Derek Nicholson coming before that hire was announced? And I know that Mario Cristobal, he is inquiring about up-and-coming running backs coaches in particular. So that could end up being someone no one's talking about, right? But if you want my picks, who I would like to see as running backs coaches and receivers coaches, personally, I would like to see Tim Harris Jr., coaching the running backs. Um, he's currently the running backs coach at UCF. You know, he's got a long background. He's the son of Ice Harris. So, you know, long family lineage in South Florida. He's got ties to the U, went to the University of Miami. He's coached at FIU before, head coach at Booker T before, excellent recruiter of the area. And it seems like Tim Harris is an excellent running backs coach as well. UCF was averaging 228 on the ground last year. Like, you know, one of the more productive uh, running back units in the country under Tim Harris. So I would like to see uh, the son of ice get some consideration here. Uh, that, that would, that would be my personal pick, right? I mean, listen, I'm, I'm not in charge of hiring these guys, but that would be, uh, that would be the running backs coach that I would like to see. And as far as receivers coach goes, I think there's a lot of really good options out there that we have been talking about. But if you're just asking me who I would like to see as the wide receivers coach, uh, I would like to see Reggie Wayne as the wide receivers coach. And his name has been brought up before. I think Bruce Feldman brought up Reggie Wayne's name, which tells me, hey, it's got to be somewhat realistic because Bruce is not just bringing up people for the sake of bringing people up. Just like, how cool would it be to have Reggie freaking Wayne coaching your wide receivers? Now, the only risk with someone like Reggie Wayne would be um, he's unproven as a recruiter. He's never done it. He's got a year of NFL wide receivers coaches experience has never recruited before, at least not officially. 
So, you know, some people for that reason, you might prefer someone like James Coley, who's got, you know, more recruiting experience than like most of us will have in our, our entire lives. Um, or, you know, so even someone like who does have some recruiting experience and he's also coaching in the NFL right now. And he's a former Miami wide receiver, Leonard Hankerson. I think he could be a great hire. And, you know, Kevin Beard, who's done this job before at Miami, and he's a good recruiter and a former Miami receiver. He's currently at Toledo. If he's in the mix, I think Kevin Beard could be good. But honestly, uh, I think it would be super special if you had Reggie Wayne coaching your wide receivers. Now, some of you are going to say, don't be a star bleeper. Don't be one of those guys who just wants to see every coach at Miami being a former Miami guy. Like you want to see Ray Lewis coaching the linebackers. You want to see Ed Reed coaching the safeties, Ken Dorsey coaching uh, the guy. Well, actually, I would love to have Ken Dorsey legitimately because he's, uh, you know, he's doing a great job in the NFL. But a, a lot of Canes fans out there just want to see a former Canes great coaching every position. And that's not always the best solution. It's just the most fun solution for us. But you know, I want to say the fact that uh, Reggie Wayne has uh, he's got NFL wide receivers coaching experience. You could do worse. OK, you could definitely do worse than that. Uh, we get a question from Carlos in Miami who says, how good is this monarch quarterback that Miami just offered? So he's talking about A.J. Hairston just finished finished his junior season class of 2024. A.J. Hairston from Monarch High School in Broward County, six foot three. 210 pounder um honestly i am shocked that miami is his first division one offer uh had a great year last year like i thought the junior season that this guy had would have gotten him offers left and right uh 195 of 297 passes completed 65.7 percent 3,217 yards, 32 touchdown passes, just six interceptions. He's a dual threat. He rushed for 347 yards on 53 carries. That's a six and a half yard per carry average. Scored seven touchdowns on the ground last year, so 39 total touchdowns. From what I have seen and what I have heard about A.J. Hairston, he looks like a solid player. Like I, I think this is someone who's going to gain momentum uh, as long as he has a solid start to his senior year, right? He's heading into his senior year. I think his name is going to start getting out there and gaining momentum the way that Emory Williams did last year after he got a Miami offer, and Miami was very much ahead of the game with Emory Williams. So as far as A.J. Hairston goes, um, I, I was told that you know the previous offensive staff did not rate him very highly. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that the new OC apparently does. Uh, A.J. Hairston, he's gotten some interest from Florida State. Uh, he did make an unofficial visit there last November, apparently has not been offered by them to this point. And, you know, I've asked some of my colleagues about this because listen, I, I love recruiting, like covering recruiting is a hobby for me, but I'm not out there day to day the way that some of my friends and colleagues are. I've asked uh, Brian Smith about A.J. Hairston. I've asked John Garcia Jr. and I've asked Larry Bluestein about Hairston and they all rate him highly. Uh, Bluestein told me he's really good. So, you know, um, I still, you know, I, if, if I had to choose like which, which class of 2024 quarterback do I want? If I only have to pick one, you know, my guy is Air Noland. Air, Four-star Air Noland, Langston Hughes, Georgia. He's coming to visit March 4th for Junior Day. That's my guy. Uh, Noland. I also I really like Van Buren. I like Julian Sayin, even though he's committed to Alabama. You know, I like I love uh, you know Riola, Dylan Riola, who's you know 
he's the the top uh, recruited quarterback in the entire country. Miami's going to try to take a shot there. I, I don't expect us to end up landing him, but still, man, if you uh, you know if if you're going to bring in hopefully two quarterbacks in the next class, AJ Hairston, local guy, grew up rooting for Miami, really productive on the field last year for Monarch. I would be excited about that possibility. Got a question from Rob Elliott, who says, hey, this is less of a question, more of a statement. Wes Besaint took huge leaps last year, uh, and one freshman linebacker will take a starting spot or is a heavy rotational guy next year. He says nothing. Oh, actually, sorry. He was saying Besaint is going to take a huge leap this coming year, and he's also predicting that a freshman linebacker will take a starting spot or is a heavy rotational guy. He says nothing against Charlie Strong. But I think linebacker play will improve tenfold this season with the young additions and with Maui Goa. Agreed? Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Um, and you know, new linebackers coach Derek Nicholson. You know, I'm not I'm not going to try to compare him to Charlie Strong. You know, Charlie's been doing it forever. Nicholson's more up and coming. You know, he was just playing college football at Florida State like a little over a decade ago. So he's you know Charlie Strong is 62 years old. He's been doing this since I was in diapers. Uh, but you know, it, Derek Nicholson has a great reputation. You know, he's he's done well at his previous stops coaching linebackers. So I think he's going to do a fine job. But I think the bigger factor here, like you said, is going to be the talent. Right. Because Charlie Strong did not have a whole lot of talent to work with last year, at least not until West Saint second half of the season started to really get it. And the guy became unbenchable. So, you know, you can you can pencil in Besaint as a starter. Uh, I give Strong some credit for improving Corey Flagg because Corey Flagg, I think, really thrived under Charlie Strong last year. But, you know, honestly, I, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think we're going to see a true freshman starting, at least not if everyone else is healthy. Um, I, I think it's either going to be Besaint for sure, either Besaint and Flag or Besaint and Francisco Maui Goa, who was really good at Washington State. I think Maui Goa is going to do a great job at Miami. But I could definitely see some of these true freshmen get in on the rotation, especially Malik Bryant, because Malik Bryant has like Liam Neeson would say a very particular set of skills. Like he's, he's such, he's such an instinctive explosive pass rusher that I, I think Malik Bryant is going to find a, he's going to find a, a niche in the rotation this coming season. And like his body looks ready. Like he looks like he's already ready out there to play with like 21, 22 year, year olds, even though he's you know, 17, 18 years old. So I, I think Malik Bryant is going to find a role uh, next year in the rotation. I don't necessarily think he's going to be a starter though. Uh, we got a couple of Canes basketball questions. Yes. The basketball team is getting some love. Big win against Wake Forest yesterday. I think they're going to win the ACC. We'll give some love to the Hoops team when we come back here on Locked on Canes. Let me give some love to Built Bar. Folks, if you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. I know my goal is always around the new year to eat a little healthier. If you're like me, you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste. I've got just the thing for you. You got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously. They're so delicious. You're not going to think that they're good for you, but they are perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. 
they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond. I just had the uh, the banana. It was a banana cream pie covered in chocolate. I had one of those this morning. They're so good. The puff bars. I'm not sure how built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. Only 130 calories. Only four grams of sugar, a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. Like for years, we've been talking about ordering your built bars at built.com. You can still do that with our code locked on 15 for 15% off. But now you can get built bars at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's that's right. Head into your nearest Walmart or Sam's Club today and grab a 13 bar box with hit flavors like brownie batter and churro. And you can thank me later because I love me some built bars. Thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Oh, let me get to a football question first before we get to the basketball questions. Uh, Kenny in Fort Lauderdale. This is, again, this is more of a statement than a question, but Kenny in Fort Lauderdale tweeted to us at Locked On Canes. He says, Jakari Brown was better as a true freshman than Tyler Van Dyke was. He is going to blow past TVD. I think he means this coming season. Well, first of all, it's like uh, we didn't really know how good of a true freshman Tyler Van Dyke was because he didn't he didn't get to play. Like he only attempted two passes as a true freshman. That was I don't remember who you played that year, but it was, you know, mop up duty against, you know, one of those uh, FCS teams you played that season. So he didn't really get a chance to play like n- none of us had any idea how good TVD was because he had that great uh, redshirt freshman year. None of us had any idea how good Van Dyke was until he got his opportunity in 2021. And I don't even know if he would have gotten his opportunity if Jake Garcia hadn't been hurt at that same time that De'Ari King got hurt. But TVD got his opportunity as a redshirt freshman, made the most of it. A lot of us didn't know how good he was as a true freshman. Whereas Jakari Brown, like he got his opportunity to play. And you know what? When Jakari, uh, once he started actually getting used as like an every down quarterback, because remember Miami last year was bringing him in for some third down short yardage just to come out and run the football. Um, But once he actually got an opportunity to throw some passes, you know, obviously we didn't know how he would do because that was something he didn't look great at in the spring and in the fall. Didn't look great at it on the field either, but he did complete a couple of big throws last year, Um, you know, Physically, Jakari was probably more ready as a true freshman last year than uh, Tyler Van Dyke was as a true freshman a few years ago. I don't think Jakari's going to blow past Tyler, though, this year. I think Tyler Van Dyke is going to be the guy because Shannon Dawson likes experienced quarterbacks, and Tyler Van Dyke is that. Van Dyke is the much more polished passer. Um, you know, he's just more, more mature because he's, you know, few years older than Jakari Brown so I'm not expecting Jakari to blow past Tyler Van Dyke but I will say I think this is a great coordinator hire to develop Jakari because Dawson's had so much success with dual threat quarterbacks that uh, I think in 2024 this is going to give Jakari Brown a good opportunity really develop in 2023 then in 2024 he's going to have I'm sure a little competition Jakari between him and Emory Williams, Emory Williams, who's more of a prototypical uh, prototypical pocket passer, uh, I think 2024 could be the year when Jakari like has the opportunity to really step up and be the guy. Um, let's see uh, what else we got here. Luke Skywalker says, "Hey, is it realistic for the Hoops team to earn a number one or a number two seed this year?" So, okay, you remember 2013 
which was the greatest regular season of college basketball Miami ever had, the Shane Larkin team under Coach L. That team won the ACC regular season championship, and they won the ACC tournament, and then they were given a two seed. (laughs) They're not a blue blood, and we, we know that the selection committee, the NCAA, they never give Miami a fair shake. This year's team, if hell literally froze over and like the only schools left are like the teams that play in the state of Florida, they still wouldn't give Miami a one seat. Like uh, it's crazy. You know, if, if Duke had the type of season Miami's having, like if Duke were to win out, because if Miami wins out, they win the ACC regular season championship, then they could potentially hopefully win the ACC tournament. If that were to happen to Duke, if Duke were to win this year, the ACC regular season, the ACC tournament, uh, they would, probably just cancel the entire tournament and just declare Duke to be the champions. But if Miami does it, they're probably going to end up with a two seed. I think two seed is probably the ceiling for this team. I was looking uh, last night at uh, the updated bracketology, and right now they consider Miami to be a four seed, so they could still play their way, I think, as high as a two. I I just can't imagine they would be given a one seed. But you know what? Uh, I believe in this year's team because last year's team had that incredible tournament run and they weren't nearly as good. They got to the elite eight. This team is so much better. And, you know, Jim Laranega, obviously George Mason, final four, Miami elite eight next year. He's, he's had some examples of overachieving in the NCAA tournament. I think if you could overachieve with this team, which is so much better than last year's team, I think this team can make a tournament run. I just don't see them getting anything higher than a two seed. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, Hoodie Girl. Hoodie Girl says, hey, Canes hoops 15-0 and at home, three games remaining in the regular season, and a chance at the regular season title. Are we a basketball school yet, she says. <laughs> this team could make another run in the tournament this year, and yet they still don't get enough coverage. Hoops is alive in Miami, she says. Um, you know, it's as far as, like, what team actually kind of, you know, carries the torch – yeah, we're a basketball school right now. But the way the way that I measure basketball school versus football school, I still measure it based on enthusiasm from the fans and it's still this is still a football culture. For for as irrelevant as Miami football has been for the better part of the last 20 years, this is still a football culture, so I'm going to say it's a football school, but bros if Miami can make a final four run or better this year in the tournament, all of a sudden you're going to have some Canes basketball lifers who are like, Oh yeah, I go all the way back to Rick Barry. I've loved Miami basketball forever. You're going to have a lot of us coming out of the woodwork. Uh, So the enthusiasm, Melissa, the enthusiasm will only grow. I'm not going to say it's a basketball school right now, but definitely basketball is carrying the torch for Miami athletics at the moment. And it's not just the men's team. The women's team is really exciting as well. All right, thank you guys so much for tuning in to this special Sunday episode of Locked on Canes. Going to take my kid down to the light today, get him a shake. Let me know what type of shake you think my very picky eat. He loves anything chocolate he loves, by the way. I should mention that. He loves chocolate. So let me know what sort of Mark Light shake you think my kid would enjoy. And we will talk to you again Monday on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.